We are on Ksubis Tesvav Amar Aleph, 15A5 in the Art Scroll Gemara. On the second column, we are towards the very bottom of the page. And hopefully, we will be concluding the first parak, the first chapter of Ksubis in this class, uh, which is very exciting. We'll begin the second parak next week. Um, and we will continue uh, with our discussion. Just a quick review uh, in the Mishnah. We had a case where there was a young girl who was raped, uh, and we wanted to know who raped her, because that would have ramifications in terms of whether or not she can marry a Kohen, if it's somebody that she would uh, technically uh, be, be allowed to have relations with him, so then she could still marry a Kohen, and if not, so then she can't uh, marry a Kohen, even though it was a rape, a very horrific and terrible situation, but if it's somebody that she wouldn't be allowed to be with, uh, even willingly, uh, so then, uh, so then she's disqualified from marrying a Kohen. She's not allowed to marry a Kohen. And the Mishnah had a novel approach and said that you have to follow the majority. And the truth is that the Gemara said it's not really following the majority, uh, but the case here is uh, where you have to follow a double majority. We have to follow the majority because uh, there's a, you know, there's a good chance that it came from travelers, and in such a case, you follow the the statistical majority. But you have to follow double majority because. There's concern that you might confuse this with a case of kavua, which we've been discussing. Kavua is when uh, the doubt is in a situation where things are stationary, so then we do not follow the statistical majority. Uh, so then uh, we, we would, we're concerned that a person might follow the majority in a situation of kavua, and so therefore we need a double majority. We need two majorities. One is from, um, from the place itself, and one is from the travelers. You need a majority. So... That's what the Gemara ruled earlier. The Gemara, for the next couple of lines, sort of quotes opinions that we think for, forgot about that, and it's really based on majority alone. And as we pointed out in the beginning of the Gemara, when we first discussed this Mishnah, uh, both Rabbi Galil and Rabbi Yeshua, they do not follow a single majority. They don't follow a single majority. Uh, Rabbi Yeshua, according to Rashi, Rabbi Yeshua followed, would follow a double majority, but not a single majority. Uh, but the Gemara now is, is sort of going back to its original thought process, and at least at this stage, we will see that the Gemara is going to change, but at this stage, the Gemara thinks that the Mishnah is talking about just one majority. And so, Itmar, there's one version of Rav which says that we follow the Mishnah to follow only one majority. We only have to follow one majority. The Gemara is going to ask, well, that's not true, but we'll get there. The second opinion in the name of Rav says that, no, that was a unique case uh, there were other contributing factors, perhaps. But in general, you need to have a double majority. One majority wouldn't work. That was a case of a single majority, where there was just one. But in the future, you need to have a double majority. Again, the assumption right now is different than the conclusion that we that we had earlier. Right now, the, the assumption is that the Mishnah is only dealing with a case where there's a single majority. Uh, through the Gemara, through the discussion of the Gemara, it's going to come out that we had a, the wrong assumption. But the Gemara says, Masav Rabbi the Liyosin Lobain and Rube. I thought we said that when it comes to Yuxin, when it comes to specifically uh, laws of of uh, lineage and being married, able to marry a Kohen, we need to have a double majority. Specifically, when it comes to marrying uh, a Kohen or marrying a, a Jew, whether you're not allowed to marry a Jew. So they say, how do I prove this? They need a double. Uh, don't we need a double majority? Vatanan. We have the following Mishnah. 
that says as follows that seems to imply that you do need to have a double majority. And so this is a this is a case of majority which we haven't come across yet, but it's an interesting case. If you find found an abandoned child in a city, you don't know if they're Jewish or not Jewish. So the the Brisa, the Mishnah sorry says in Rov of the Kolchem of the Kolchem, you go based on majority. If the majority are not Jewish, assume the child is not Jewish. In Rov Yisrael Yisrael, if the majority are Jewish, assume the child is Jewish. And if it's half and half, so then they're Jewish. Well, the fact that the the Brisa, sorry, the Mishnah already separates between the majority Jewish versus half and half even though it has the same ruling. They're both Jewish. The Gemara will discuss later on that there might be differences whether it's uh, exactly 50-50 or the majority Jewish. There might be practical ramifications. Uh, but basically it says to follow majority. Now just to point out, when we say majority of the city, we're according to uh, many opinions, it's only the majority of the city of ap- people who, who have the possibility of being the mother. It can only be of women of a certain age uh, and you could probably limit it to a certain type um, uh, who who looks similar, let's say, to the child in terms of color and and things like that. Uh, so so you would limit it to that. It wouldn't just be anybody in the city and the majority of anybody in the city. That's not true. It would have to be limited to those who would fit within that within within that realm of possibility. Uh, but the, the the Gemara continues and says, "Amar Rav lo shana alachayoso avalayosinlo." This is the main point. Rav, this is Rav, the same person that we. That uh, was quoted earlier, but he says here that when we talk about majority, that's only with regards to viewing him as a Jew, that you have to sustain him. That you have to make sure that he's being, somebody's raising him and feeding him and supporting him financially so that uh, he's raised, uh, you know, and, and he's being taken care of. But that's only with regards to that. That's when we follow majority. But when it comes to lineage, we need a double majority. So we see that Rav says you need a double majority. So before the Gemara answers that, the Gemara just quotes Shmuel's answer. Shmuel, Omar, what does it mean that you need a majority? sagal has to do with uh, whether or not you have to violate Shabbos to save his life. That we only uh, save someone's life if they're if they're Jewish. Now uh, we're going to get back to this. This is uh, this this line of Shmuel is actually not true. Uh, well, we're going to get back to this, but just to point out, when it comes to saving somebody's life on Shabbos uh, for a Jew, uh, it's uh, it's required. You would have to violate Shabbos to, to save the life of a Jew. When it comes to a non-Jew, uh, so then there's a lot more to talk about with regards to that uh, because the Jew should uh, uh, should have to keep Shabbos in such a case, have others, uh, the non-Jew, non-Jews uh, uh, save them. But uh, perhaps uh, there there would be reasons. There would, It's a longer discussion, but perhaps there would be reasons to save non-Jews as well. Um in certain circumstances. So that's really a whole separate topic, not for now. Uh, but the Gemara says, uh, So basically, the Gemara rejects the question and says that our mission is really talking about two rows. It's talking about two majorities, exactly as we thought on the beginning of the page, in the beginning of Tezbalim and Aleph, and don't get confused between the two. Um, really, everybody's talking about a double majority. The only time we can be lenient when it comes to uh, lineage is when you have a double majority. Rabbi Yeshua, at least for Rabbi Yeshua, you need to have a double majority. Um, and that's true across the board. That's true in our Mishnah. That's true in this story of you just have a child on the street. You don't know if they're Jewish or if they're not Jewish. Uh, the same would apply for both. The Gemara says, But according to the opinion that just said that our Mishnah was a Horah Shah, it was just a temporary ruling, but in the future we don't follow the Mishnah 
How is he going to explain this now? Because we just said the Mishnah is talking about a double majority. So how can he say that the double majority? No, we don't really hold like that. That's a temporary ruling. But in the future, we won't hold like that. So the Gemara just answers. If he said that, if he said that it's only a temporary ruling, it's because he did not understand the Mishnah. It's talking about a double majority. He understood it as being just, there's one majority. And so he said, that's not the ruling. Because there's only one majority there. We don't have a double majority. Uh, a situation where there's a majority from the people traveling and from the people in the city. That's not what we have. But moving forward, it has to be that you need a double majority. In the end of the day, everybody agrees. Everybody agrees that when it comes to laws of lineage, you need to have a double majority because we are concerned that you're going to confuse it with a case of kavua, a, a case of state where they're stationary. When they're stationary, you don't follow a majority. So in a case where we know that it's coming from somebody who's in movement, it's coming from a traveler, you need to have a double majority. Majority of the travelers would make her still permissible to a Cohen, and also within the city you have a majority who will make her permissible to a Cohen. Moving on to 15b2, the Gemara now stops here and just elaborates on the discussion about we have this child in front of us, we don't know if they're Jewish or if they're non-Jewish, we have this child, so then in what ways do we treat them as a Jew, what, time do we, what ways do we treat them as a non-Jew, when we go based on majority, uh, what are the different halachas with regards to this. So just one point before we even get into the Gemara, there's a very important nitziv, uh, one of the later commentators, uh, he explains that in terms of following majority, that's a, that's a Jewish principle. That comes from the Torah. The Torah tells us to follow majority in situations where uh, it's uh, not stationary, right? In, the, in, 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 in all those cases which are not stationary, we follow majority. But that's only for Jews. When it comes to non-Jews, the Torah doesn't talk about it. So for non-Jews, anytime, even if you have a majority, we don't listen to the majority. We're always in, in question. So then Siv says, with regards to this child, this child doesn't know whether they're Jewish or not. So as a non-Jew, they have to be stringent to say, even if the majority are not Jewish, I can't follow that majority. Because the Torah tells non-Jews, you can't follow a majority. So I have to be concerned that I'm Jewish. If I have to be concerned that I'm Jewish, this child will have to eventually convert as a stringency, because maybe they're Jewish. Um, so therefore, we, we, would, we would make them convert out of this concern that maybe they're Jewish, because as a non-Jew, you can't follow the majority. Very novel approach. Uh, that even if the majority are not Jewish, he can't follow that as a non-Jew. And so therefore, and when he gets, becomes an adult, he would have to convert. So what we're discussing here is as a child. What are the rules that apply to him as a child, uh, whether we view him as a Jew or as a non-Jew? So Gufa, the Gemara says as follows. The same thing we just quoted what we had earlier. The majority are non-Jewish. We treat him as a non-Jew. Majority are Jewish. We treat him as a Jew. 50-50, also as a Jew. Rav says, I'm Rav Lo. This only applies to treat him as a Jew that you have to support him. Um, and, and with regards to maybe other laws that apply specifically to Jews. But when it comes to lineage, it's not true. You need a double majority. What does Shmuel say? Shmuel says, you, you, you need a majority that are Jewish in order to save him on Shabbos. And to violate Shabbos in order to save a life. The Gemara says, what are you talking about? When it comes to saving a life, we don't go based on the majority. We don't go based on the majority. When it comes to saving a life, uh, even in a, uh, even if there's a small chance that they'll, that they'll survive, we still violate Shabbos. So who cares? Even in the case where the majority are non-Jewish, you should also have to violate Shabbos. So the Gemara says, yeah, that's what Shmuel really meant to say. Shmuel is really going on the first case, on the first situation. If the majority are not Jewish, 
We treat him as Ovde Kochov as a non-Jew, but Amr Shmuel, Bekechalov as a Gal, in Okain, the exception to this rule is in a situation where it's Shabbos. When it's Shabbos and it's about saving a life, even though with regards to all other areas of law, we'll treat them as a non-Jew, when it comes to Shabbos, we'll save his life. We will save his life. Okay, so that, that's, uh, that's what the Gemara says. Um, again, according to the Ntziv, this is only until this uh, child becomes an adult, either at the age of 12 or 13. If it's a girl, 12. If it's a boy, it's 13. Uh, once, they, once they reach that age, they have to convert. So what we're discussing here is before that age. Um, and Shmuel says that, and I think Ra, Rav would also agree to this, everybody would agree to this, that we would save, we would in fact uh, save his life, regardless of whether it's a majority Jewish or majority non-Jewish. We have to be concerned for all, all scenarios. So the Gemara wants to know, well, okay, in the end of the day, if the majority, the, the ruling that if the majority are not Jewish, we treat him as a non-Jew, with regards to which area of law? So first of all, slow down. What do you mean with regards to which area of law? There are major differences between a Jew and a non-Jew, right? So I think what we're talking about here is how do we, uh, for him himself, so he's a child or he's going to convert, um, but for us, how do we relate to him? Not what does he have to do. Uh, he's a child. What is, not, it's not about what he has to do, but how do we relate to him? Uh, so with regards to which areas of law do we relate to him as a non-Jew? So Amr Papa Lachil and Avelos were allowed to feed him non-kosher food. Because the majority are not Jewish, we can feed him non-kosher food. But in Rov Yisrael Yisrael, if the majority are Jewish, we treat him as a Jew. With regards to which area of law, Lamai Helchasa, why is that added? It's coming to add you something else. Amr Papa, Aveda. He's Jewish in that you could return to him lost property. If he lost something, so then you have an obligation to return it. And what this means is that even if you have to go completely out of your way, uh, above and beyond, so then you'd still have to return it if he is Jewish. Okay. Now, moving on to te- the very end of this parak in 15b3. Basically, the Gemara is trying to figure out. We had two statements in this, in this mission that was quoted. If it's majority Jewish, we assume he's Jewish. If it's 50 and 50, 50 Jewish, 50 not Jewish, we assume he's Jewish. Why is this divided into two separate categories? So the Gemara is telling you, the only time that you have to return the object is if the majority are Jewish. Uh, and that you have to go above and beyond uh, to make sure that they get it. When it's 50-50, with regards to which area of law do we have to treat them as a Jew? Amresh Lakish, Linazikin. 50-50 means it's referring to the laws of damages. What do you mean the laws of damages? So let me explain. Before we see the Gemara, let's explain. In a regular case of where a Jew's ox gores another ox, uh, let's assume that uh, we're not dealing with a case where that ox already has a certain reputation of goring other ox, oxen. Um, where it happened already three times, let's assume that that's not the case. It was the first time. So the Jew only has to pay half of the damages because it was an animal, it wasn't him himself. He only pays, that's the Torah's ruling, he only pays half of the damages. Now what happens if a Jew gores a non-Jewish ox? So there he doesn't pay anything. Why not? So Maimonides, the Rambam explains, because non-Jews, in their own culture anyways, they hold that if an animal gores, you don't have to pay anything. You're not held accountable for when your animal gores. These are big discussions uh, that hopefully we'll get to in many years from now. Um, but uh, these, these are big discussions about whether or not your animal, you're responsible for your animal's actions. For non-Jews, they, they, they weren't responsible. So if a, if a Jew gores, uh, Jew's animal gores uh, a non-Jewish uh, 
ox. So then they don't have to pay anything, which is what their norm is anyways in their culture. And so that's why the Torah tells us. The Torah makes it a rule and says, even if it's not that culture, but the Torah makes it a rule, you don't have to pay anything. However, the opposite is is in the opposite direction. If a non-Jewish, uh, if a non-Jewish animal gores a Jewish animal, so then they have to pay in full. The exact opposite extreme. Why? So the Rabbam here explains because we're trying to teach them a lesson. They 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 don't believe in this response this idea of responsibility for the animal. We're going to make them go the extra mile. We're going to make them pay in full, even though the Jew doesn't even have to pay in full. We'll make the non-Jew pay in full. So that's in a regular case. In a regular case. If a Jew's ox gores a non-Jew's ox, they don't have to pay anything. If the non-Jew's ox gores a Jew's ox, so then you have to pay, you have to pay in full. When it comes to a Jew, Jew versus Jew, it's always half. Always half. So the Gemara says, you have this person here. We're not sure if they're Jewish or we're not sure if they're not Jewish. What's the case? If a Jewish ox gores this person, who's questionably Jewish, his ox, so so what does it mean 50-50? It means, he says, you have to now bring a proof that you're Jewish. Until you bring a proof, I'm not paying you anything because I'm going to assume that you're not Jewish. So I'm going to assume you're not Jewish and I don't have to pay anything. So if that, is that the case that we're talking about here? I thought we said that he's like a Jew. So Now the case is as follows. In which case we treat him as a Jew? If his ox gores a, Jew, a Jewish ox, so then... So he definitely has to pay half. Half is the normal amount that a Jew pays another Jew when his ox gores the other person's ox. Uh, he has to pay half because that's, that's the minimal amount. Now, if he's a non-Jew and his ox gores a Jewish ox, so a non-Jew would have to pay in full. The full amount. Again, as the Rambam pointed out, so that uh, he learns his lesson that you have to be responsible for, your, for the actions of your animal. Uh, but in this case, we're not sure if he's Jewish. We're not sure if he's not Jewish. So in this case, he has the right to say, you can't take money away from me. I think I'm Jewish. It's, it's 50-50. I think I'm Jewish. All I have to pay you is half. I don't have to pay you the whole thing. If you think that I'm not Jewish, bring a proof that I'm not Jewish, and then I'll pay you the whole thing. But until then, I'm Jewish. A Jew gores another Jewish, Jew's ox. You pay half. So I only have to pay half. So with regards to that law, you only have to pay... Uh, you, he's viewed as a Jew and he would only have to pay half. So again, if a Jew gores his ox, so then the Jew could say, I don't owe you anything I, because don't take money away from me. I assume you're not Jewish uh, until you bring me proof that you're Jewish. When it's the other way around, the person in question, his ox gores the Jewish ox. So then in that case, he'll pay half. With regards to the other half, he'll say, I only have to pay you. Bring me proof that I'm not Jewish. I'm going to assume that I am Jewish. Okay, interesting discussion here. Uh, but that, that's the conclusion of, of this Gemara. And Hadron Allah We have concluded. We will return to you this first chapter of Basul We have completed this parak, this chapter, and we'll move on to the next chapter, uh, the next parak in next week's recording.